the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on this beautiful July 16th. 2022. We've got a packed show for you today, my friends. So let me tell you who our guests are real quick, uh, and then we'll get to our first guest. Uh, Our first guest, of course, is Mr. Matt Cody, who is president of the Texas Gas and Oil Workers Association. He is followed by uh, Mr. Kyle Sinclair. Kyle Sinclair is a a candidate for Congress uh, here in Texas. He's going to be, he is challenging uh, socialist Democrat uh, Joaquin Castro, uh, and um, he's got a lot to say about the border and what is happening right now in his district. Uh, our next guest, our third guest, is Mr. Todd Benzman, who is with the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd is going to be chatting about the uh, terrible miscarriage of justice with the um, Border Patrol agents recently. Our final guest is Mr. Will Moravitz. And Will is a law enforcement expert, and he's going to be chatting about the difficulties, the challenges that law enforcement uh, officers face right now. So, for, so, folks, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Call your friends. Tell them to join in, uh, to tune in. Uh, without further ado, let's go to our first guest. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you. From South Texas in San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we've got uh, our very good friend who's been on before, and we are going to have to get him on some more. Uh, Kyle Sinclair, who is a candidate uh, for Congress. He is challenging Joaquin Castro, the Democrat, uh, here in San Antonio. And uh, we wanted to get him on because... Uh, he has uh, been first-hand witness to a, um, a an immigration center, a migrant center, as uh, the city has called it, which, uh, in my opinion, is facilitating more illegal immigration. Also, Kyle, I want you to talk about this situation where Congressman Castro is is uh, it has introduced a uh, bill to um, uh, allow citizenship for the 16 remaining survivors of the terrible tragedy, truck tragedy that occurred here in San Antonio uh, a few weeks ago where 53 people lost their lives. Now, I want you to give us your opinion, but I believe very strongly, I want you to react to this, I believe very, very strongly that what is happening is that we are encouraging illegal immigration, we're rewarding it, in this case uh, with... uh, uh, the survivors are, are may may get um, uh, citizenship, but uh, I mean, instead of discouraging it, we're in a roundabout way encouraging it. Your thoughts, please. Yeah, no. First, George. I mean, thanks again for having me on the show, and, and always glad to uh, to talk to fellow patriots. Uh, you know, and I would definitely say, um, you know, I'm gonna start off by sharing a couple things. We've had a lot of issues, obviously, in this country, or uh, we're seeing it across this country. Um, and you saw this past week, Governor Abbott, as well as many others, calling it invasion. So, I absolutely believe uh, wholeheartedly it is invasion. So. With that preface, I will say um, two weeks ago when we had uh, originally 46 immigrants that were found in a semi-trailer, that is in District 20. 
Um, I went there the night of the accident. Um, I've since gone back to these sites uh, this past Sunday. Um, I've been on multiple radio shows talking about it, and since then, 53 immigrants have passed away. Um, I myself put out a video just this past week inside the back of a semi-trailer, 130 degrees, um, calling Congressman Castor out. So to your point, George, and I'll get to the migration in a second, but to your point, I absolutely agree. Uh, the federal government by their lax policies and pushing open border rhetoric um, are absolutely implicit um, in, in causing this problem. Um, I do absolutely agree and believe uh, that the cartel recognize that. That is why they're making hundreds of billion dollars per year uh, in, in doing that. I've been to the border. I've seen cartel turn uh, illegal immigrants over to uh, the, the Texas National Guard who turn them over to the Border Patrol, who process them, and then put them into the interior United States. Um, and so it's, 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 it's a legal human smuggling traffic that the cartel is doing. Um, they, they recognize that the federal government's not stopping it, is encouraging it, and supporting it. Now, Congressman Castro himself continues to call and, and speak to open border rhetoric. He continues to say, get here any needs necessary. The federal government will take care of you. Uh, which is why I continue to call them out. To your point of the Migrant Center, I went there uh, this past weekend, this past Saturday, went there again Monday. Uh, they're averaging 500 to 700 illegal immigrants there. Um, I spoke to about 40 of them uh, this past Saturday and uh, started getting you know, intimate details. I have that on social media platforms and would be love to share with your viewers. Um, and some of the stories that are coming out, these are Venezuelans. And it's taken them two months to come here. One of the caravan groups we talked to that they came across in 120. Once they got to Mexico, there was a lot of internal turmoil between the cartel groups, and they were paying them as they went along. Um, if you can't pay them, they will chop off your fingers. If you can't pay them, they will kill you. If you can't pay them, they go after your family where you came from. Uh, one of the group actually, a member said, and we have it recorded, and, and I asked them, do they feel like the borders are open? And they said, yes. And I said, well, do you feel like somebody's supporting or asking to come? And they said, what the message is in Venezuela is that the Biden administration said, if you get to America, we will take care of you. And so that is the, the message. And whether that's coming from the cartel, again, who are, you know, billions and billions of dollars, or whether that's coming from media, I'm not sure who it's coming from over in Venezuela. Um, but those are some of the details here. But yes, they, are, they have uh, anywhere from 500 to 700 uh, illegal immigrants um, taking dangerous trips because of the Biden administration and people like Congressman Castro taking their lives in their own hands, trusting the cartel and paying them to get smuggled across the southern border. Um, and so it, it is a disgusting, I keep saying, this is the disgusting side of border and policies is the, the human trafficking is at epidemic levels, the sex trafficking is at epidemic levels. We found six, excuse me, nine sex trafficking hubs in San Antonio, nine houses that had immigrants for sex trafficking. Um, we also have epidemic levels of drugs, fentanyl deaths are on the rise. I mean, it is, it is a truly an invasion. I will continue to say to I'm blue in the face, I support Governor Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, and Attorney General Paxton for doing the job that the Biden administration, the President of the United States, the President of the United States should be doing. Um, I'll pause there, George, but there's, I mean, there's a lot of details and a lot of stuff going on right now in San Antonio um, and across uh, the nation, of course. Let me ask you about, um, you know, we are seeing more and more discussion about uh, maybe even a possible shutdown because of the rise in COVID. Yet, uh, Title 42, the checking of diseases, specifically uh, COVID, uh, is not being done at all as people are coming across. Um, your thoughts on that? I mean, don't I mean, shouldn't the health and safety of uh, of Americans matter when it comes to diseases? Never mind uh, criminals, rapists, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, two 
to your point, my background, I think some of your viewers might know or might not know, uh, my background's in healthcare. I'm a CEO of a hospital, a bachelor's and master's in health administration, about 20 years experience. Um, I lived and breathed uh, the COVID experience within the United States and, and have dealt with, uh, you know, national pandemic and, and, and international pandemic problems. So absolutely, I support and agree with Title 42. Um, I do know when they had the 14,000 Haitians that came across the southern border in Del Rio, they actually tested the soil. They found HIV, they found all sorts of uh, diseases, even in the soil at, uh, at the spot under the bridge. Now, what's interesting, too, to your point, uh, just this week, uh, Mayorkas just approved temporary uh, status for 350,000 Venezuelans just this week. Um, and so you have, again, that sends signals out across the world of people to come into the United States. You get people, as you and I experienced, George, at the bus station in San Antonio, we have Department of Homeland Security taxpayers issued cell phones to immigrants that have broken our federal laws. That sends signals um, across the United States. They're being provided health care, clothing, food, insurance, not insurance, uh, money, uh, trips and, and paid trips into the United States, all by the taxpayers, all by the Biden administration and Department of Homeland Security. Um, it is it is an all-out invasion. We are massive problems at home, and we need to take care of home. I keep saying we need to secure the border. Two and a half million people last year, 155 different countries, uh, with, and now you're saying 850,000 known gotaways um, across the United States. It is unsustainable. This country is in dire need to fix its problems, and the best way to do it is to secure the border and absolutely finish the border wall, get more resources in there, get that signal out that we will not stand for people invading our country. Now, uh, uh, in our final little uh, part here, our final moments, let me ask you also, because uh, today there was the announcement that inflation has hit 9.1%. How the heck are we going to take care of people when uh, we're having a difficult time taking care of ourselves? Well, you're not. And, and, and I think many people have been saying this, and, and I say it as the campaign trail, is that, uh, you know, we're at a 40-year high inflation. This is the worst economy I've ever lived through in my entire life. Uh, $30 trillion in debt. We continue to fund funnel war, uh, wars like Ukraine, where they ask for billions and more. I think we're well over $60 billion has gone to Ukraine. We have issues at home. This government and this administration is not focused on the American people. It is not focused on the people at home. Uh, um, and, and not, and, and they want to spend their way out of inflation. Um, they continue to recklessly spend um, and spend and push more bills and push more spending um, on the American people, and it will break. Um, this country is on the brink of that, and, and it, it is unsustainable. Uh, people's 401ks and life savings are, are just being eaten. Uh, they're, they're, the cost of every good and service to provide has gone up astronomical to the point where it's unsustainable. Um, you know, I've been watching stuff on Sri Lanka and on Venezuela and some of these other countries that uh, saw the, the collapse of the government and, and the dollar, um, their dollar, their currency. So, um, you know, we, we need radical change, and, and November cannot come here enough. Um, I fight one of the biggest socialist and, and big government spending uh, people with the best, which is Congressman Castro. And, and I'm a fiscal conservative Republican that believes in, in balanced budget and, and uh, taking care of America first and uh, our, our constituents and the people in America first. So we, we've got to fix it. And the best way you can do that is get out support and get out to vote uh, this November. This primary election is probably one of the most important in many people's lifetime right now. You got it, buddy. Tell the folks how they where they can find you and how they can uh, support you. Absolutely. So website Kyle for twenty. That's K Y L E F O R two zero dot com. I'm on all social media platforms. Everything from Facebook, Twitter, you name it. I'm on every single social media platform. Um, but definitely, that you can get on uh, the website and follow on social media and, and see some of the stances on what we're doing. And uh, again, I'm excited to to be fighting. Uh, the last thing I'll leave George is I'm not a career politician. I think this country is tired of career politicians. We need people that uh, come from the people or fight for the people and fight for this country. You got it, my man. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and we've been speaking with our good friend Kyle Sinclair, candidate for Congress in District 20. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks, sir. Have a good night.
Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got our good friend, Mr. Matt Cody, who is uh, president of the uh, Texas Gas and Oil Workers Association. And I wanted to reach out to Matt because we've got this crazy report of uh, how oil field workers uh, in the Permian Basin and in other places are having to compete. Get this. They're having to compete for housing uh, with the federal government who is putting up, who is renting apartments, renting rooms for illegal aliens that they bring across that are, that are entering the country so that they can temporarily house them. Now, the headache is that the government is paying almost twice as much or is paying more money for these illegal aliens and therefore pricing oil workers who we need American oil workers out of the out of the uh, uh, market Matt tell us about this what is going on man George I always want to say thank you every time you have me on um, so I'll start with that but ma'am that makes my blood boil and I don't know about you but it, it should make every American mad um, that that report is true and those reports began in about March or April of uh, 2021. See, it goes back that far. Uh, the Biden-Harris administration from day one has taken every action to hurt American workers and families, and this report is true. Both of workers in the Permian Basin and other places across Texas um, were kicked out of man camps and uh, hotels so that the Biden-Harris administration could house illegals. Incredible, incredible. So this has been going on for some... Of course, the... the um the uh, uh, entry of, of illegal aliens really accelerated when uh, when Biden came in. So I would imagine that that's um, that's why since March of last year this has been going on. Correct? It has been. Uh, and if you put them all together, number one, uh, not controlling the border. Um, just allows that that many millions of people to cross into our country illegally. And then the Biden-Harris administration takes American taxpayers' dollars to pay to house and feed and transport those illegals while American workers and families are suffering. And then whenever you want to talk about this Biden Biden inflation uh, that's hurting every American worker and family, uh, one of the reasons is that we keep spending money we don't have. Um, and we're, we're, we're using it not to take care of American workers and families, not to bring down prices at the pump, not to, you know, do anything for Americans. We're doing it to house illegals. And then we're doing it to send monies to, to foreign countries that the Vice President Harris called corrupt. And that was the big thing last year whenever she made her Central and South American tour but still hadn't made it to the border at that point. Um uh, what she was talking about how one of the root causes of illegal immigration was corrupt governments, and then we sent millions of dollars to those corrupt governments. That doesn't make any sense, except that we have a corrupt government ourselves. Well, now we've got this this uh, farce that's going on, uh, where the where President Biden has gone across uh, over to the Middle East and is begging the Saudis. As well as paying uh, the Iranians to produce oil that we can in turn buy. Now, I don't understand that. I, I completely don't understand that situation. Why buy foreign oil when we've sit when we've got uh, uh, all the energy, uh, all the oil and gas we want uh, in the Permian Basin, for example, or uh, even just across the state border in, in New Mexico? Very simply, because that would support American workers and families, and this Biden-Harris administration loves funding terrorists. I mean, look at the Chinese terrorists. We're losing an economic war to the, to China. Um, look at Saudi Arabia, which sixteen after years or sixteen years after reportedly being involved in the planning and funding of the nine eleven terrorist attacks, took one hundred percent control of America's largest refinery in twenty seventeen. And then whenever you go to Iran, the, the world's number one state sponsor of terrorism, um, Joe Biden. Would rather them produce 
produce, Iranian terrorists produce, than American workers and families. But this is an administration whose D.O. joke labeled parents opposed to the teaching of racist curriculum in our schools domestic terrorists. Man, this Biden-Harris administration has a weird definition of terrorism. <laughs> how, many, uh, how many oil and gas workers are there in Texas, for example, that have been affected by this uh, by this green plan and uh, this uh, energy policy that the um, Biden administration seems to be following. Every single one of them, obviously. Um, you know, if we go back to 2019 numbers, which was whenever we were really um, uh, drilling, really producing here in the U.S. under President Trump. Rig counts were about 950 to 1,000 uh, per month on average. Uh, you know, every week we were drilling at 950 rigs in the U.S. Right now we're at 732, I believe. Uh, but we're, we're drilling at about 80% of what we were doing in 2019, every worker. So in 2019, there were approximately 2.4 million workers um, whose jobs were supported by the oil and gas industry in the state of Texas alone. Really? 11.3 million nationally. Wow, you're kidding. That many. And and so obviously, I mean, uh, these, uh, these workers now that you represent are being uh, impacted by uh, by the green plant and it could get it could get worse if we if uh, if, if they continue on their merry way could it not it, it absolutely will get worse look at the breakdown in the uh, this weekend when ERCOT was asking people to conserve electricity George I don't know how old you are uh, I, I'm about to be 29 again but I don't remember any of these problems whenever we were in oil and gas supported power grid but as re the percentage of renewables has increased uh, the reliability of the power grid has decreased and like the people who think socialism will somehow be different this time the people who are supporting these unreliable costly renewables think that doing more of what already doesn't work will fix it what do you think uh, what is the most pressing or one of the or, or some of the pressing issues that um, the that oil and gas workers are are facing right now what are some of the things that they're that they're really facing I mean that they're they're challenged by cost of living so Biden inflation is hurting every single American we saw a record 9.1 percent inflation you know everything's higher in the Biden administration uh, uh, the cost of living, the cost of milk, the cost of the pump, uh, the cost of groceries, um, Hunter Biden, um, everything is higher during the Biden administration, um, and it's hurting every single American. And so uh, uh, men and women who work in the oil and gas industry, we make a little bit more than the average industry in the country, but it's hurting every single one of us, too because trying to keep up with the rising costs of goods and services, even with an oil and gas naturally higher salary, is still hard for oil and gas workers. Well, and so many of them, uh, I mean, particularly in West Texas, so many, so many of the workers live out in rural areas. It's got to be expensive now even for them to be uh, driving uh, anywhere with the cost of gasoline. That's intentional. See, uh, there's a very simple meme going around on Facebook and other social media platforms like Instagram that says you can't sell electric cars if uh, gas and diesel are affordable. And so it's by design, like a lot of things during this administration, if you make it so unattractive that people start thinking about electric vehicles, well, then you get an opportunity to sell electric vehicles. Never mind that they cost a lot of money, and the people who can't afford uh, diesel and gas in their automobiles sure can't afford a Tesla. Yep. The, uh, I mean, one of the very, very telling comments was made by the, uh, by, by, uh, the executive director of the uh, Bear County Metropolitan uh, Transportation uh, Agency, which you know always is pushing mass transportation, and literally uh, at one point she said, "We've got to get people out of their cars." Well, yeah, I mean, but it's the car uh, and the gasoline in that car that gets me wherever I want to go, not wherever you want me to go. <laughs> That's right, and this green new disaster is just a scam on the American people. It's being pushed by those who will number one have investments in re uh, renewables, intermittents, um, like wind and solar and electric, and so 
people in America have been scared, indoctrinated into believing there's some climate crisis that we have to stop oil and gas drilling right now. Of course, those people want us to stop oil and gas drilling in America, and nobody is paying attention to the amount of emissions that a barrel of oil produced in Venezuela or Iran produces. And if you look at it, uh, Senator John Neely Kennedy over in Louisiana, he and our Senator Ted Cruz, they always talk about how letting foreign countries with far less environmentally standards take over America's global market share in our jobs only makes the problem of emissions worse, but it's dogmatic. Uh, my friend Jim Townsend, minority leader over in New Mexico, he always talks about how this radical environmentalism, it's a cult. And it is. We see a bunch of people yeah. in America who have been taught that, that babies aren't people and it's okay to murder them, um, that, that we're racist if we don't want to be invaded, that women can have a penis and they believe they're about to die from climate change, but we need a new infrastructure plan. <laughs> oh, incredible. Matt, thank you for taking time to be with us. Tell the folks again about uh, about your organization and uh, how uh, we might be able to uh, support it. Man, I appreciate you, George. Always enjoy getting on here and talking. We always get a good laugh. Um, these are serious issues. And Oil and Gas Workers Association, number one, you can find us at OGWAUSA.com. We're an independent trade association made up, made up of oil and gas workers in America. And uh, those whose jobs are supported by our industry you can find us there support american oil and gas workers at ogwausa.com excellent thank you very very much my friends we've been speaking with our good buddy mr matt cody the uh, president of the texas gas and oil workers association matt you stay you stay safe and we'll talk to you soon again you too george have a good day Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. Um, We want to chat with him specifically about this issue, my friends, of a miscarriage. And I will call it, I, I will say, I will say that it is a miscarriage of justice. Uh, of the Border Patrol agents who were accused of whipping the Haitians back uh, last year. Uh, and uh, Or perhaps it was earlier this year. I can't remember when it was, Todd. But uh, apparently there has been a release by one uh, judicial group, by one group that was investigating the thing, and then uh, now, all of a sudden, the Biden administration is uh, the appointees, the political appointees, are are, are determining uh, whether or not there was any wrongdoing. Uh, what are your thoughts? Tell us about this report. Well, it's a it's a long report. It's uh, several hundred pages. It's put out by the on July eighth by. Customs and Border Protection's Office of Professional Responsibility, OPR, uh, and, and it was a uh, uh, an elaborate investigation of the claim that these white cowboy-looking Border Patrol agents uh, saw some black Haitians and just decided to start whipping them. Uh, like kind of in the old uh, antebellum days or something. That was the whole narrative, and everybody was outraged, and uh, President Biden swore that he was going to uh, you know, punish them for this. The problem is that it just never happened. That's That was the problem from the very beginning. It was just a complete fabricated lie, the whole thing. Uh, and it was... Um, uh, put out the, the the report was put out and deep within the body of the report you can find this line quote there is no evidence that border patrol agents involved in this incident struck intentionally or otherwise any migrant with their reins uh, so that to me is kind of the, the key 
uh, finding. It's deep down in the report. Uh, the report also makes mention of a referral to the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Western District of Texas out of San Antonio for criminal prosecution of these Border Patrol agents, and it was rejected because, well, there's just simply no evidence. It was just a complete lie. Uh, and so, of course, the U.S. Attorney's Office there could not take up a criminal case uh, so these Border Patrol agents are completely exonerated. The, the uh, uh, criminal liability and even that it happened at all, like everybody swore it happened. That was That's the big problem here is that, that there was no truth at all, and now there is truth, and uh, this report has it uh, in, in uh, black and white. Uh, so to speak so you can you can uh, go find that at cbp's website it's online there and it's all explained and described in great detail now these border patrol agents are not completely out of the woods yet because they are gonna find something to get them on and it'll probably be some sort of internal policy violation or something and they'll end up losing They didn't their jobs. sign their time cards or something of the crap because obviously obvious I mean the first thing that I that I find really <laughs> irking about this situation is how the how the president and Kamala both of them jumped on the bandwagon hours after the uh, the release of the photo uh, claiming that they had uh, attacked these Haitians I mean, without any type of uh, investigation or anything, they jumped on it, right? And now they are trying to justify their uh, comments rather than, you know, give justice to the situation. Yeah, this is just a terrible, awful uh, lack of judgment by the president. They jumped on this thing for political purposes to kind of sate their base. Uh, but they, in, in, in getting, um, winning brownie points for whatever it was that they decided to say, they threw their people under the bus. They, they sacrificed these guys for a couple of percentage political points, uh, which is abhorrent morally. I think we should all just look at that and maybe, you know, freeze frame it as an example of terrible behavior, terrible uh, lack of integrity, uh, just an awful thing that leadership did uh, by jumping to a conclusion that was just obviously false from the get-go. I mean, there was aerial drone footage from just a few feet above, and you could see that it just simply wasn't true. You could see it all over the internet if you wanted to, but the media, the uh, president, the vice president, uh, leadership in Congress on the Democratic side jumped to the conclusion that these guys were guilty of some horrible racist uh, antebellum type activity, uh, and it was happening in Texas. So you know, proof of racism just right because of where it was. But even more so is, you know, other than that is, is you know, the whole episode was just a pretty thinly veiled diversion, a misdirection from the fact that, that this border was, was, was in crisis. Uh, so if you have people talking about racism, you don't have them talking about illegal immigration in mass like this. And you also create this sort of false sympathy for the Haitians who were there 15,000, 17,000 of them crossing through as an argument to just let them all in. Uh, the whole thing was just is, is a stain and a blight on American history and, and, and on the Border Patrol, in my opinion, and on law enforcement more generally. You know, it, it's, it, it, this kind of a situation... How can uh, how can law enforcement, how can the Border Patrol feel comfortable in implementing their work 
in implementing the, what they're supposed to do uh, when uh, they, they can be accused so easily by the president, by the vice president, by the media of, uh, of, of wrongdoings when obviously it's, it's very obvious they didn't do anything. Well, it's just awful. I mean, you know, you can talk to Border Patrol agents, I do all the time, and they hate all of their bosses, disrespect them, and hate them. And I don't think that's an understatement. This one incident turned this entire agency against their bosses, and deservedly so, completely justified uh, in that. And it's a terrible thing to have a rift like that uh, in the chain of command uh, and to, to between the chain of command and the uh, foot soldiers on the ground. You never want to have that because when you have that, things don't work smoothly at all. But they all already had a problem before that in, in that the Border Patrol was being ordered not to do any of the work that it was trained to do. And they had them doing uh, processing in uh, illegal immigrants into the country. That was their job, was to welcome them in. It still is to this day. And it's a it's a, a terrible misuse of this agency and in violation of of every single law on the book that we have for Border Patrol and what it's used what it's supposed to be used for. Wow. Let me let me ask you this last question before I let you go because last week uh, there were uh, three Texas counties that began uh, this new movement of calling on the uh, state government, uh, as well as the federal government, more so the state government, because they are using the word invasion, that they want a declaration of an invasion. Immediately there was a reaction from uh, Democrats and from uh, the left and the liberals, the media, that um, the word invasion uh, is now racist, I guess. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, my, you know, my, my, I, I don't personally call it an invasion. When I think about invasion, I think about armed, organized, armed groups that are uh, entering by, uh, you know, force of, uh, an intimidation, physical intimidation. But, you know, you could also, I'm sure that there are uh, lawyers out there who could, um, you know, parse that out as to what an invasion actually is. But in any case, I do believe that it's probably time for that, for the legal system to parse it all out and decide what's what. What is an invasion? Does this constitute an invasion? Uh, so, uh, what, is, is it racist to um, want to secure your borders? Well, every generation of mainstream Democrat that I've ever seen, Obama, Clinton, uh, they've always wanted to have a secure border. I, I've never heard of a Democratic uh, White House, Democratic Party-held White House in Congress that wasn't interested in border control and border management. So if that's all of a sudden racist today, uh, I don't know. I look at that pretty askant. And also, I think that the charge of racism is so overused that it's come to uh, strike me as kind of like a hyperinflation, right? It just loses value. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's just Crying so, wolf. It's, it's the circulation of that. Crying it's wolf. like, you know... <laughs> It's like, uh, you know, printing money, you know, just so much money that it, it, pretty soon a dollar's not worth much. And that's how I view the charge of racism. It just doesn't mean anything anymore. They've just overused it to death. It yep. means nothing. Yep. Buddy, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Uh, tell the folks where they can follow you. Uh, T. Oh, and your, book. and your book. T. Vinsman at Getter and Benzman Todd on Twitter and my book is America's Covert Border War I've got a new one coming out this fall excellent excellent my, once again my friends we've been speaking with our good friend Mr. Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies this is George Rodriguez talking to you from San Antonio thank you very much
Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio and uh, on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Will Moravitz, who is a law enforcement expert, a retired police officer, and uh, author as well. Uh, we've got him on because I wanted to get his reaction on two issues, two incidents and that have occurred lately. And uh, number one is uh, training that is going on for police officers and the concern regarding the hesitation by officers to take action. All of this as a result of uh, the, uh, well, uh, of uh, let's be honest, of, of, of the uh, George Floyd situation as well as the Breonna Taylor situation. Um, the absolute um, hesitation by police officers, which could become very, very deadly. The other thing that's been going on, my friends, is uh, a very, very disturbing video that has surfaced out of Milwaukee, uh, where two police officers, and let me please emphasize that these are two black in, uh, law enforcement officers, police officers, who are totally, totally disrespected by some little toddlers. And the toddlers not only curse at them, but they hit at them. And the police officers obviously looking very, very uh, uh, sheepish. They don't know how to react because, of course, if you do anything to these little toddlers, I mean, uh, you're, you're probably going to either get fired and a lawsuit and maybe even go to jail. But uh, let's start with the first. Uh, Will, thank you for taking time to be with us. First of all, let's talk about this training uh, for situations that uh, police officers often face where they've got to make quick decisions. And now the hesitation that we're seeing uh, of officers to uh, take action, even to defend themselves. Yeah, well, thank you for having me, George. Um, it's it's a really disturbing trend. Uh, you know, there was a, a study out of Washington State University, actually a couple of studies. Um, the most recent one, uh, they put officers through use of force scenario trainings, you know, simulations, like kind of like virtual reality stuff. And what they found was that officers hesitated to use deadly force when the subject was black but they did not when they were white. And so what they found was that there was about a 1.7 uh, times more likely to shoot a white person than they were a black person. And the reason for that is because there's so not, not just there's so much scrutiny, but, you know, it used to be, you know, there was a, a saying in police, uh, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. And, you know, this mentality that if it's my life or this person's life, I'd rather survive and, and face the jury if I have to. But now we're living in a time period where uh, people's lives, families get ruined. Um, you look at, you mentioned the Breonna Taylor incident. Uh, Sergeant John Mattingly and I have, have gotten to know each other a little bit. He's the officer that was was shot by Breonna Taylor's boyfriend, uh, you know, and, and he had to not only retire from the police department, but he had to move his family because there were so many threats and, you know, against his, his wife and his kids. And, and that's what we're seeing. And so when an officer goes in a situation, especially with somebody with, that's a person of color, that's always in the back of their mind. And, and so to kind of protect their career, to protect their, their family, oftentimes they're going to hesitate. And unfortunately, uh, that's when somebody gets hurt, um, whether it be the officer or just, you know, the, the, the a victim that they're trying to, uh, to protect and serve. This situation with, um, you know, again, with, with uh, the Breonna Taylor and George Floyd situation, um, the estrangement, and I'll, I'll call it that, the estrangement in the community uh, in the black community with police officers uh, has has gotten worse and we're seeing it in this little incident this video that's going viral of these two little kids completely disrespecting I mean cursing cursing at the police officers uh, swiping at them hitting them uh, these toddlers, I mean, they're, they, they can't be any older than five, four years old. 
uh, obviously picking up mannerisms, obviously picking up uh, behavior ha habits from what they hear. I mean, how can police officers do their job when there's that much disrespect? Right, and it, it's it's really sad because they were there to investigate a murder, um, you know. And and for those of you that haven't seen the video, these, these kids are they're basically were barefoot, wearing diapers. There's nothing else. I mean, they don't they're not wearing clothes. Uh, and you know, any anybody out there who's been around kids when they're young knows that they're like sponges, right? That they they pick up on you say a bad word, and that's the word they're going to say for the next. 20 minutes you know non-stop and so you're right these these kids are seeing this behavior from adults in their lives and you know it, i was thinking about this you know i i've uh, had the privilege to teach uh, quite a few african-american students over my education career after i left law enforcement and uh, you know a lot of them will tell me about the talk that they get from their parents, especially if they're young men about how to deal with the police and how to be respectful so you don't you know end up in a bad situation and it almost seems like maybe now because you know the george floyd brown taylor the the a lot of the media a lot of the the politicians and celebrities are kind of behind this anti-police movement you know it's almost like the talk now is stand up to the police and, and push back and and so you see that with these little kids you know cursing at them and hitting them and hitting them and, and of course you know, you're right. You the police officer is in a, in a lose lose situation there because they either stand there and, and, and get hit and not be able to do their job, or they you know put their hands on like toddlers and try to take them back home or or whatever, and, and then all hell breaks loose. You know, and people uh, accuse them of, of harassing young children and stuff. But the, to me, the saddest part about that video is that in ten years, those kids are going to be most likely in a situation where they make worse on themselves because of their attitude towards police and they might you know end up in prison end up shot end up hurt some other way and, and that's the real sad part because the parents or the adults in their life ought to be doing uh being more of a positive role model to them and obviously they're not you know it, the other thing that really uh, hits me from the perspective of uh, what uh, all we hear in the media, is that this is not a race relations. Uh, this is not a race issue anymore. This is an issue where a, a, a culture has developed, uh, an anti-police culture, and I think that's very, very disturbing. Yeah, it, I mean, it doesn't matter what color you are as a cop. You're 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 a pig. You know, you're blue. Uh, case in point you know there was that uh man who uh in retaliation to uh, <clears throat> a, a black death by the hands police officer drove up to new york and, and assassinated these two new york police officers that were sitting in their patrol car and and neither one of them are white you know and so it's it isn't just like we don't like the white cop it's it's just flat out we don't like cops we don't care what color they are we don't see their color all we see is that badge and the blue uniform or whatever and and they're the enemy automatically just because of that um there was a uh, another situation I, I saw this morning from the national police association an off-duty officer intervened to break up a fight uh and identified himself as a police officer and then someone shot him in the back and now he's paralyzed wow. you know it, it's just this kind of uh, that us versus them mentality and 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 they're emboldened to to you know attack officers whereas in in, in times past there there was at least some hesitation there now uh, you know this situation uh, let me let me ask you this question in closing we're seeing this and uh, the impact has got to be great on the psychology of, of the police officers. It's got to be great, as well as um, the recruitment for the career. Am I? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're trying to recruit people to become police officers in this kind of situation, and you want good people, you know. And if you're you're a 22 year old just out of college, maybe, or maybe you did your four years in the military, and and you're looking at a career, and you see you see the public sentiment you see the way things are in some of these pockets and you know in america why would you put yourself through that you know do, do something else that's that's going to serve your community but you know get you some respect and and you know and, and those that are already in it i mean the mental health thing um you know most departments don't have any kind of mental health training as far as 
well, they have mental health training, but they don't have any mental health services for the officers. Now, if there's a an officer-involved shooting, there's usually someone that comes in and does a debriefing. Uh, you know, they offer employee assistance programs where they can go see a counselor. But what we're starting to see, and it's necessary, is some of these larger departments actually providing mental health services inside the police department for officers who are struggling with, you know, any aspect of the job, whether it be at home or on, or actually on the job itself. Oh, and that, that's where we need to head. It, it just breaks my heart. It just breaks my heart. Well, tell the folks about your book and where they can get it. Yeah, so the book is uh, The Blue Divide, uh, Policing and Race in America, and it's uh, basically debunking the narrative that uh, police are, are targeting black men indiscriminately. Uh, you can find it on uh, Amazon, Target, Walmart.com, uh, all the major retailers, and it's available as an ebook, paperback, or hardcover. Folks, I want to be sure that you understand. I have read, uh, I've just finished reading Will's book. And let me tell you, it, 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 it really hits home. I personally, having been raised in San Antonio on the south side of town, being a person of color, as somebody would say, um, I have never had a problem with a police officer. I haven't had a problem with a Border Patrol officer either. Um, it might have been because my parents taught me how to be respectful towards authority right but, exactly uh, <laughs> i just you know I, I just don't understand well i do understand the, you know the the arrogance and attitude uh, that other people have uh will thank you very much for taking time to be with us i really appreciate you coming on and and talking to us about these this this very very important issue oh it was my pleasure george thank you thank you once again my friends george rodriguez el conservador on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. Folks, thank you very, very much for joining us in our program today. We encourage you to please support us and uh, to continue tuning in. Uh, if you want more information, you can go to elconservador.net, uh, the website, as well as you can find us on Facebook at El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Uh, we're in three different sites. Uh, we're in Twitter, we're on Facebook, we are also in LinkedIn, uh, we are going to be soon being on, we're going to join Getter. Uh, so in, we're in various places. So we want to really, really encourage you to support us. This is the only way that you can get um, the facts and uh, the reality, because obviously the mainstream media does not tell you what is happening either on the border or what is happening in your backyard, my friends, with politics. Uh, they have their, their leftist agenda, and that's that's the fact. So, folks, Thank you once again for joining us today. I want to thank our guests, Matt Cody, Kyle Sinclair, Todd Benzman, and Will Moravitz for, for uh, contributing, for joining us today in our program. We ask, we hope that you will join next week, same time, same station, 2 o'clock Central, uh, for the El Conservador Show with George Rodriguez. Folks, until next time, thank you for joining us. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.